I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. All right, all right. All right, Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) I know, I know. It came out of my mouth and I was like, ugh, I don't don't know if I like that. You didn't quite finish it. You didn't do the third all right, all right, all right, all right. I know, thank God I stopped myself. I was like, that's enough. I enjoyed it. I appreciated it. It feels aggressive. <laughs> yes. I am so happy I've got my post-core haircut. It looks great. Thank good you. Bob. I was so sad. I'm just not a long hair person. I don't like the feeling of the hair on my neck. And like I was just putting it up all the time and my hair was kind of damaged anyway. So I was like, I'm about to step back into the world. I'm about to like re-debut into the Girl, world. I hear you. After the wedding... I really, really think that I want to cut my hair off. I know I've said it for a long time, and I you know with, that Anthony and I, Anthony and I have been team I know. cut your hair forever. So I'm sure both of us are it, like so excited. I want to cut it short, and I want to dye it blonde. Do that's it. what I want to do. Oh my gosh, do it! You know whose hair I love is. I know that you didn't watch the most recent season of The Bachelor, but there was a woman named Chelsea who was a model on the show. She's like stunning but she's a black woman who has her hair completely shaved and then that is dyed blonde like what's left and yes. i just think that is so cool looking see, i wish i, like I could that. pull that off i could not pull that off i mean eventually i see myself whenever i'm like old i see myself with like really long hair uh-huh. but in the meantime you know i've never cut my hair super short it has all of this damage just from a living for okay. so long. I'm like, I should just cut it all off and then let it, and then let it grow back like good and strong. This you is know? my question though, because, and we're kind of getting into like a hair conversation now, but you know, you talk about 
all of the time and effort that you put into your hair, are you really going to want to do that when you're an old lady? That's true. That's true. You know what I might do is um, dread it. That's really a long great idea. Dreadlocks. And then you, know, you can just pile you them on to, your head if you have to. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. And you do Perfect. have to have like someone come and like tighten up your dreads for you. Although then that um, that opens another conversation about like I need to start consuming a lot of calcium so that I have a really strong bone structure to hold up the weight. Oh my gosh! Of that much hair. <laughs> that is another excellent point. You're gonna have to start taking like calcium pills every day. Yeah, I can't to prepare. have brittle bones if I'm gonna try and have like long ass dreads when I'm. Yeah, old. that's the Something other thing. To consider. That, yeah, it's the other thing I hate is like the the feeling of your hair being pulled back for a long period of time. But I know from experience that if your hair is pulled like that for long enough, your head just kind of goes numb. And then you yeah. don't feel it any longer. But when my hair was growing out and I was like pulling it back, I just couldn't stand the feeling of having it like pulled all day. And now I can just have it down. It doesn't even get in my face. Well, that's the question I was going to ask. Now, listen, listeners, we know we need to start talking about the news. However, <laughs> I this just is our news. Say, yeah, it is. It's new to me, your yeah. haircut. <laughs> and I always think like, so Madigan's haircut is coming like right at her jawbone. So like, yeah, just beneath her ears, basically. And I feel like not being able to put my hair up would be hard for me like it's, not having the option to put it no up. what I do is if I want to put my hair back a little bit I like to wear those like little head kerchiefs oh, sometimes okay. mm-hmm. I'll wear a headband I'll pin it back I'll braid it and then pin it back or I'll put like two little buns in my hair oh, but it's cut short enough that like the back actually had to be shaved a little bit so there's nothing on my neck oh nice yeah so that there's like freeing it is it's so nice like today it was so hot out but there was a nice breeze and like, oh, just that feeling on the back of my neck. It took me so much less time to wash my hair this morning. I was just like, and blow dry it. Mm, it was beautiful. I'm going to do it. I can't, I can't wait. After the wedding, I'm going to cut it short. And then I'm going to grow it back out. Because I do like I love having it. my hair long. But it's a pain in the ass when it's damaged. Um, yep. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> and uh, enough hair news. Let's get into the news. Do you have any, uh, what's your level so, of sadness? It's pretty bad. Okay, then you go first. Okay. The first thing that I have to talk about today is the COVID crisis that's happening in India Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've heard about this. It's kind of been on the news, not as much as it should be, given the level of, like, devastation that we're seeing there. Right. Uh, Especially... Uh, man, it's hard for me to consume media. I was feeling very like emotional today, period. But also just like consuming media lately that is distressing is hard. It just is becoming like harder and harder. And so I will say to proceed with caution if you want to look at the images, but there are images coming out of India and there are mass cremation centers that are happening outdoors. Just basically giant fire pyres you know um, which is is really tough to see especially since you know you and I just had a conversation off mic before we started about how so many Americans right now and also people from the UK and other westernized countries are experiencing this newfound freedom in vaccination and feeling like maybe we can start achieving this new normalcy meanwhile India is in the midst of a major crisis. Yeah, that was the thing for me as I've been reading. It's just the feeling of just this vast discrepancy and 
yeah, what you were just saying, thinking about, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel for us and kind of feeling like things are going to go a little bit back to normal and then seeing such horrible destruction in another part of the world, it almost doesn't seem real. Like, you know, I was so used to seeing Mm -hmm. that kind of coverage all this past year, but seeing it now, it's just so upsetting that there are some people in some countries that don't have the same access to medical care and vaccines and and, or like anything that they need. I mean, much like here, their hospitals are so overcrowded. They don't have enough oxygen tanks and PCP for everybody. It just breaks my heart that PPE. we're still PPE. Sorry. Thank sorry. You. I just wanted to say that before people were like PCP, PCP, <laughs> you know, where's my mind right now? Jesus out of the gutter. But uh, yeah. And I think that it's just crazy because we, uh, it's been over a year now of all of this. And it almost, these articles are reminiscent to me of what we were experiencing within the first two months or so of the pandemic here in the United States. It it reminds me a lot, but it's worse. um, Oh, so much worse. Than what we saw here or what we saw in Italy. Not that it's, you know, a a comparison. I'm just talking about the images that I have seen. Um, Because the images that I have seen, people are being turned away from hospitals. And so they're doing things like wearing oxygen masks in the back seats of cars like you know it's because you know they have to be quarantined and things like that away from family members it's very scary and it's not only very scary for the people of india but it's also creating um global repercussions basically so the more the virus spreads the more chances it has to mutate and create variants that could eventually resist current vaccines, threatening to undermine other countries' progress in containing the pandemic. So essentially all this work that we've done here in this country or you know, other countries where we are getting to a place where maybe there's some stability, some normality, that could all be thrown out the window if the virus mutates. Definitely. And I mean, that's we've I've discussed it on the show before how these articles that are popping up all the time scare me so much because it's like, will this new variant be covered by the vaccine? And so far, it's always been like, yes, most likely it will be covered. But there really is that chance and that risk that we're going to have to do this all over again, which is crazy to think about. Right. I mean, and other countries have recognized that that is a major, major concern. Um, While I don't believe there's been a lot of criticism, especially around our president, Joe Biden, um, and his action or inaction on this. And that's really all I can speak to because I don't really know what's going on um, with the leaders of other countries. Um, I do know that it is something that is a concern for leaders of other countries and our country. So the U.S. is sending oxygen concentrators, which are medical devices that compress oxygen from the air. And those arrived in India earlier this week. And on Wednesday, the U.K., Italy and Germany committed more medical equipment um, and Russian planes arrived in Delhi carrying medicine, monitors, and ventilators. And while, of course, the immediate priority is caring for the sick, vaccinating the country, of course, is also critical and crucial in stopping this spread. So Joe Biden on Tuesday did speak to the Indian prime minister and confirmed that the U.S. intends to send coronavirus vaccines to India. It will be sending 60 million AstraZeneca doses 
uh, along with other countries. But it didn't specify which nations or when they would be delivered. It could take months, which is... Too much time. Terrifying to think about. Yeah. I mean, where they're at right now without some kind of help or getting a handle on this very, very soon, it's scary to think about where they could end up. And so, yeah, I didn't want to come off as saying like, oh, Joe Biden's not doing anything because he is. But I do know that there is some talk that things should have been done sooner. And yeah, and there's no specifics done- at the moment, too, about when and... Things like that. Right. And and there's been some complaints about Western countries, quote unquote, Western countries hoarding vaccines. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, the UK did say that they don't have any to spare. There are none that they can pass along, which Uh maybe that is true. I I don't know. I I haven't looked at the data, but it's just... That's interesting because I know that in certain parts of the US, I was reading about Oregon earlier and how they have only vaccinated a very, very small amount of their population. And it's like, no, nobody's going for them. They just have an excess of vaccines that nobody is using. So that's the kind of thing that frustrates me is that there are people here that are not taking advantage of the fact that we have the opportunity to to do it and they're choosing not to when there are people that would kill for this you know what I mean like it's really so important and I actually read earlier uh just because this is still kind of in the COVID sphere sphere COVID sphere um I read that Pfizer is working on a COVID pill that you can take when you start feeling uh symptoms of COVID come on and that way you wouldn't have to leave your house to get tested or to get like treatment or anything like that you could just take one when the symptoms come on and like quarantine yourself until it's gone. I mean, hey, isn't that I crazy? Like it. It's already Let's combat this thing at all sides. They are, yeah, and they're testing it here and in Belgium already. It's crazy. That would be Love amazing. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, well, that's all that I have, but I just wanted to kind of alert the listeners if they weren't. Um, aware of it already because even though I I have heard about this and seen the imagery and things like that I still feel like it's not being shared on social media the way I see other things shared on social media and it is kind of a big deal I saw it being shared a lot like a couple of weeks ago I was Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of stuff come up I still get you know some news alerts popping up but I feel like it was a couple weeks ago and I think I took notes on it to talk about when we just ran out of time or something. But I feel like I haven't been hearing about it as much as I did in weeks past. Mm-hmm. This yeah, week. I, w- I would agree with that as well. I think it's coming back into the news because um, it's just been confirmed that things are going to be sent there, uh, that aid is going to be sent. Yeah. But I do want people to not forget about it, particularly because not as if all of these people dying or being as sick as they are isn't bad enough. It could also have global ramifications for everybody. And so if there's anything that we can do to try and help the people of India right now, we should absolutely be doing that. Yeah, I wonder if part of it is just because there's been so much devastation this year and it's just Uh been story after story when it comes to COVID stuff that I wonder if it almost just kind of like rolls off people's backs in a way like not that it isn't horrible and that we like people aren't affected by it but I wonder if because that has been so much of our news for the past year that it's almost just like 
desensitized. And yeah, and, and yeah. when it's so far away, I know for me, I always just feel like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, I just feel yeah. bad. And then I'm just like, but feeling bad isn't helping the situation. You know, it's just, it's tough. And I think well, that maybe that's why people aren't talking about it as much, but that's not a reason why we shouldn't be discussing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and... um I didn't do my due dil- I didn't do my due diligence before recording today and make sure to find resources because I do like to do that for things that we can do. But what I will do is I will look for those resources before posting this episode. And if I find anything that I feel like could be helpful, I will put it in the show notes. So awesome. um, be sure to check the show notes. If I find anything that I feel like is accessible or helpful, I will add it there. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. Okay, well, I am going to be talking a bit more. I'm also going to be talking about Joe Biden a little bit because I wanted to talk about his goal to having the U.S. troops coming back from Afghanistan by September 11th, 2021. Mm -hmm. So this is just... Can we just say, first of all, that like... It's wild that we still have troops in Afghanistan. It's been 20 years. It's the longest war the U.S. has ever been a part of. It is so crazy to me that we don't have everybody home yet. But really, I was talking to Max about this, and that's what kind of piqued my interest at first, you know, about the dangers of pulling them and everything like that. So I did a little bit of reading today, and I find it all really fascinating because to me, in my head, I'm like, well, just send them home. Like, what what are we waiting for? And I think the whole process is really interesting, and I'm really glad that we are finally making broad steps in ending our terror (laughs) on another country, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, So President Biden, having concluded that there is no military solution to the security and political problems in Afghanistan, determined to focus on more pressing national security matters. So on Wednesday, he announced that U.S. troops will withdraw from the country before the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. A White House official said the U.S. had communicated to the Taliban in no certain terms that attacks on the U.S. during the withdrawal period could be met with retaliation. So the U.S. is like, hey, Taliban. You're not allowed to attack us when we're leaving, okay? Okay? Promise? Promise? Are you crossing your fingers behind your back? (laughs) All right. CNN reported that the Taliban twice targeted the most heavily guarded bases in the country just in March, where the U.S. military was working for the CIA when it came under fire. So it's not like this is not a threat. It's definitely a threat to our troops to be leaving the country. And there are more risks as well, because apparently both former presidents Obama and Trump were unsuccessful in getting the troops out. Although I don't really know if President Trump really tried all that hard. Um, senior, I, mean, I don't know, because this really feels like it should be a bipartisan issue. I mean, it's as not, somebody though. who's from a military family, from a conservative military family, we certainly didn't want our loved ones to be overseas away from us in a dangerous situation. Like the only people who I could see wanting to maintain this are conservatives who do not have military family members because. Yeah, I don't really know how I don't know what the personal thoughts are of the people who are expressing their distaste for this. Um, But I do talk a bit more about that. They don't really even go into it a whole lot, but I guess it's essentially the risks that are involved are what they're kind of like warning them against. 
Uh, so senior military commanders have said that premature withdrawal could lead to the collapse of the Afghan government. U.S. intelligence has released an assessment warning that the Taliban was likely to make gains on the battlefield. So that's one of the reasons Republicans are pointing out the fact that it could make um, the country more dangerous for civilians, pulling the American support so quickly. Um, That's one of their arguments here. And, and it's partly true. You know what I mean? There is a lot of risk involved. I mean, involved. It, it feels valid. Yeah. That does feel like a valid argument. It has been reported that Biden is taking a different approach than his predecessors. As with his withdrawal date, Biden's deadline was not conditions-based. So I guess before they were kind of trying to, like, make a deal with the Taliban and stuff, and it just, like, wasn't working. And now it's kind of a more... No, under no conditions, like, we're getting out of here, we're leaving. So I don't know how exactly that's going to go over. I I would think that's what the Taliban would want. Yeah, well, I don't, it's, I need to know more. I'm confused. There's so much I feel like, why would they want them there? I'm confused. Yeah, that's what's confusing to me, too. I mean, this whole war is so confusing to me because I feel like how it started and how it's ended is two completely different things. Very sketchy. Like, we got into it for very sketchy reasons. Yeah, yeah. But I guess maybe it's like um, leaving, they think that by pulling the American troops, they're leaving the citizens more vulnerable. Right, which I... I understand, and, you know, I haven't dug into it, but I can actually see, like, how that could be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. I don't know why the Taliban would be feeling that way. I don't know. I don't know. U.S. officials say there are roughly 2,500 troops in Afghanistan right now, and there will be some troops that will remain to provide diplomatic security, though the exact number of these troops hasn't yet been decided. Uh, But they want to keep an intelligence presence in the country to respond to an external threat from al-Qaeda should they reemerge, which, again, I think is really smart. Um, I think that any sort of cutting things off cold turkey can be really tough. Again, I don't know everything about this situation, but I find it very fascinating. So like we were talking about, of course, the parties are split on Biden's decision. The congressional Republicans are calling it a grave mistake. And the congressional Democrats praised Biden for finally ending the war. You know what? I'm going to you know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? I'm going to ask my brother and report back because he will have the answers on this. My brother is a political science major. He completely understands military strategy. That's kind of like his thing. Whoa. So I'm going to ask him, like, what are your opinions on yeah. Biden pulling out of Afghanistan? What and wanting all of them the out risks? by September 11th. Right. Yeah. Like, what, what do you feel about that? Because I will trust his, even though he is politically more conservative than I am, um, I will... I would trust his opinion on that. And his so, knowledge on the subject, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even if our opinions differ, he will give me the facts on, like, why why it might be risky or why they're taking their time. Right. Um, or, or whatever. But, I mean, I, it, I can understand, based on this just very kind of surface level understanding that I have yeah that it could be a tricky situation because of course you do not want to leave civilians unprotected well it's been 20 years it's right like that a full lifetime it's my brother's age lifetime like thinking about the fact that they've been over there for that long living a certain way of life like I wonder you know again I don't have a whole lot of military uh 
I guess, knowledge or anything like that. But I wonder if there's people there that have been like, like Americans that have lived there for a long period of time. And like, well, in my personal experience, I mean, probably, yes, you're right. In my personal experience with the military, both my dad spent time in Afghanistan, as did my cousin, did a couple of tours in Afghanistan. And generally, they don't leave military there for longer than a certain number of months, usually. I think my dad spent the max was he spent like nine months at a time before pulling them back out. But then they will send them back. So, yes, like you definitely develop like relationships in a way people. of life and I don't yeah. know like I feel like there's got to be a lot of factors involved that are more social as well in completely changing the culture I feel like you know and I hope that it's a good thing I hope that you know the citizens in the community can you know take care of each other and themselves and be just fine but yeah it's something that I'm really fascinated with and mm-hmm. I definitely want to learn more about. And just to kind of finish off this segment, I read that more than 2,200 U.S. troops have died in Afghanistan since 2001, and more than 20,000 have been wounded. And I can't imagine how many more have completed suicide once they got home as well, because that is a huge problem in the military. Yes, it is. Um, Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. Right. I mean, like I could elaborate because I've I've known so many people in the military that like I do have first, second, third hand experience with that. But I don't want to speak on other people's experiences. But but yes, I mean, it is it is a major issue. And more than just suicide, it's also I mean, my good friend who, you know, as well, I'll bleep out his name, but. Mm-hmm. Still has massive PTSD. Yeah, from yeah. his time spent in in the military and the Marines. I mean, there are lasting repercussions, menti- mentally and physically. Yeah, my dad has. La- my dad had to retire early from the military because of um, physical things that he is dealing with as a consequence of having been in the military. For yeah. So long. I so, dated the guy that I was with from like eighteen to twenty one was like pretty high up in the army and yeah scary shit scary shit once found a gun under his bed was not prepared for that and he was a scary dude so that wasn't fun but I remember you know throughout the like three years that I was like with him I can't remember how many times that he would call me and tell me that another friend passed away like it was it was so often Mm -hmm. um, because he had only been out for a few years and it was just it was really hard on him to see so many people yes that he loved leave so you know there are so many victims of this war I am sure that there are just as many victims in Afghanistan as well and I'm so glad that we're starting to hopefully see a close to all of this I cannot believe that it's been this long it's 20 years it's wild to think about it it is it is wild you know and like I, I had family who was deploying in the five years after and the fact that my cousin just deployed last year Ugh. again. Ugh. <laughs> it's like it's it's just it's never ending. And I'm I'm very happy that there is an end in sight. I do want us to do it in the most safe way possible. Yeah, that protects the people that we have put in danger. Um, you know, I do think we have a responsibility to the Afghan people to make sure that we 
however we do it is is in their best interest. Yeah, and there's so, been a lot of I read as well, but didn't write any notes on it. But there's lots of phone calls and talks with, you know, ally countries and things like that. So it sounds like hopefully they are taking as much care and caution with this situation as they can. I know President Biden uh, spoke to someone the other day. I can't remember who it was, but, you know, they're trying to keep the relationships with their allies good, which I think is great because our other president really didn't give a shit you about gotta, that. You got to so, keep diplomacy yeah. at the forefront of your mind. Listen, none of us want to be want to end up in another war. OK, exactly. Like, can we please just have I mean, for you and I, Madigan, it's been basically our entire lives. We've been at war our entire lives. We've been at war. Wow. Yeah, I was I was nine. When the world changed, just a yeah. just a sweet little innocent nugget with pretty much the same haircut that I have now plus bangs. <laughs> I mean, everything did change. It's it's such an interesting thing to even think about. Yeah. Like, well, do you remember when I went to Starbucks and that girl asked me what the what it was like to live before the world went to hell or whatever? And you just started burying yourself <laughs> in your own grave because essentially. <laughs> She's calling me old as fuck. I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna die now. Bye. No, that it's fun though. I like being revered as like old and wise. That's part of getting older that I like. <laughs> you know? I wanna be you're revered. Not even, you're not even 30. Yet, I know, but okay. I feel it's- like I feel like I'm looking forward to being revered. So if even if it's like the youths that are like oh, wow. You're like, I'm like, come, come my children. Let I'll me tell teach you, you all about September eleventh and where I was. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If I can be that like wise old woman to anyone at any time, I'm here for it. Because I'm actually eighty five <laughs> in my head, so You it have works. an old soul for sure. Yeah. Um okay. So the last thing that I wanted to kind of bring up uh, was, and I've been, there were other news stories that I kind of wanted to talk about today. There was a 76-year-old woman, white woman in Colorado who last summer was, she, she had dementia and she was arrested by police and when they were arresting her, they tackled her and broke her arm and like dislocated her shoulder and they were caught on camera. The police officers were caught on camera later on joking and laughing, watching Ugh. the body cam footage and laughing about it. Gross. And so they've just been charged, I think. And I was going to talk about that, but I, I just, I wanted to kind of steer clear of stuff like this. However, I feel like it is important to bring up and acknowledge that Ahmad Arbery's murderers um, have been indicted on federal hate crime charges, which is a very big deal. Yeah. Um, so they were already facing other charges. They were facing kidnapping charges. They were facing other charges. But the fact that they went ahead and decided to tack on federal hate crime charges yeah. to that is, is a big, big, monumentous kind of thing for them to do. Totally. Um, acknowledging that they really did hunt this man down because of his race. Yeah. Uh, I think is so important. Yeah. And so I did want to at least acknowledge that on the podcast today, that that is something that um, has happened. And uh any good news it's a good thing any good news in that world is always good to talk about because there's so much bad news to talk about that was the other thing that when i was looking for what to talk about today 
there's so many things along the lines of what we've been discussing the last few weeks and yes exactly the last few Mm -hmm. years even where it's like while it is so important for us to continually tell these stories if there's any time that we can really focus on any sort of positive action to come out of something horrible I think that that is so important to our momentum and for our mental health so thank you for sharing uh thank you for sharing that Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I hate to even, I hate to even frame it as good news, because at the end of the day, well, yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean, like, at the end of the day, Ahmaud Arbery was a 25 year old man whose life was taken for him for no reason, except for that he decided to go for a jog in a neighborhood that these people didn't want him in. Yeah, Um, yeah, it is a tragedy. Yeah. Calling However, it good news is, I guess, kind of weird, but. <laughs> right, but, but it is. I mean, it, it's it's a double, it's. A double-edged it's hard, sword. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about because it's like the fact that this event happened is a tragedy. Um, it's horrifying. It's devastating. And the fact that we even think that this is good news that like, yes, obviously we saw the tape. Obviously, this was a hate crime. Um but not everybody is that, held accountable. But that's exactly right. The fact that we are so excited that they're being held accountable is a problem within it, within itself. But at least they're being held accountable. And that is good news. Exactly. And we should take these wins where we can get them. And I hope that they are not only charged, but I do hope that they are convicted um, of all of these charges. And of course, because let's not forget to publicly shame these people. Uh, I am talking about Travis McMichael. Uh, his father, George McMichael, and William hate, Roddy Bryan Jr. I hate their faces and their hearts so much. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. So there is something. There is something, and we will update you as this case continues on. Yes, exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another mini episode. If there's anything in the future that you want us to talk about, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or leave us a direct message at Angry Neighborhood Feminist on Instagram. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can chat with the other listeners on the group page and have some fun. And then go over to the Facebook business page and leave us a review there if you haven't already. And we would so, so appreciate it. If you haven't already, we would really, really appreciate it if you could please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate it so, so much. And it really, truly helps us out quite a bit. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.